DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. What's up, podcast? Today I have Christine McDonald on. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So we've known each other probably, uh, man, four or five years now. And, yeah, um, something like that. I think we met in 2017. Yeah, we did. Something like that. It's 2017 <laughs> through a mutual friend. Yeah, but we, uh, we've we never, this is the first time I've seen you face-to-face, I mean, per se, you know, so <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, for sure. So, actually, this is the first time. I was actually thinking that. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never actually, like, interacted with DJ outside of text messaging or Facebook Messenger. Right. Yeah. The only time I've ever interacted with you. <laughs> Here we are. So, um, let's get, let's get this thing kicked off. Basically. I don't know. All I know about you is, um, we worked together. I helped you with some meal plans and workouts over the years while you were deployed and stuff like that. But, um, let's tell, tell everyone kind of what you do and where you're at now. And, you know, you have a lot of exciting things from the air force to your day job. And then I know you train dogs as well. So I'd like to talk about all those things. Okay. So, um, I am currently in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and, I got here in 2000 and I think 15, 14, 2014. Um, I've been all over the South. I lived in Louisiana for a few years. Uh, I lived in Florida for a few years and then moved to Alabama. Um, all because of the military, mostly. Um, I joined the military when I was 19 and I'm from Western New York originally. And I have never looked back. Don't want to go back. Um, and then, uh, my day job, I have two day jobs. I have occupational therapy. I'm an occupational therapist assistant, PRN, uh, for home health. And then I am also a selling branch manager for a staffing company. And then I am a volunteer puppy raiser for a assistance dog organization called Canyon Companions for Independence. So I kind of wear a lot of hats and I have a lot going on at all times. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I mean, I'm just, I stay really busy. I am constantly busy. And when I'm not doing that, I'm working out. So that's a good problem to have. Yeah. I'm always somewhere doing something with something. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I enjoy it. It's, it's awesome. Um, military is my, my jam. My airplanes are my jam, but so are my dogs. I think those are my two favorite things. Yeah. Airplanes and dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the uh, military thing first. So how did you get into that? Um, okay. So I, I'm going to be quite frank and honest, everybody. I was a shit show in okay. uh, high school and college. Um, I went to a junior college on a scholarship and decided after my first season, I was like, I'm going to work full time. I'm not going to go to school anymore. Yeah. And of course my parents were like, good luck with that. I hope it works out for you. Um, so I had a friend, um, my best friend in high school, her current boyfriend, they're now married with two kids. Um, he was in the air force and stationed in Japan. And he's like, you should just join the air force. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to join the air force. So I walked into a recruiter's office and he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, something you'd never see me doing. And of course I had my hair done, my makeup done. I was a yeah. cheerleader and a soccer player. I was like, something you'd never see me doing. And he was like, okay. He's like, how about an aircraft mechanic? And I was like, yeah, sure. I can do that. <laughs> Whatever. I was like, all I need is I need to leave soon. And he's like, well, you can leave in like a couple days. I'm like, done. Sign the paperwork. I'm out. So um, I went home and told my mom, I was like, hey, join the Air Force today. And she goes, cool. I doubt it. And I was like, no, seriously. I'm leaving. <laughs> and she's like, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. And she's like, okay. She's like, when are you leaving? And I was like, two days, three days, August 5th. And she was like, whatever. 
she didn't believe me for the longest time. Um, but I did. I left on August 5th, 2003 and started my now 17 and a half career year career in the uh, Air Force as an aircraft mechanic. Really? And honestly, even though it was a random career choice, it's probably been the most awesome thing I could have ever done. Like I have seen the world, all sorts of crazy stuff. It's pretty awesome. Well, let's talk about that. So how many places, um, how many places can you off the top of your head remember you've been over these past few years? Um, gosh, country wise, yeah. I've been in the Middle East, um, Europe, Guam, um, all over the United States. I think I only have maybe 10 states I haven't been to yet. Okay. Um, but Germany, Ireland, Canada. Let's see. Where are the other places that we have? Romania, Qatar, not the best. <laughs> Guam, um, all sorts of crazy places. A lot of them are stop throughs. Um, I have, you don't really stay that long in any of those places, but um, definitely have been all over the place. Um, one of my favorites is probably Ireland, though. Okay. Why is that? It is a really friendly country. Those people are really nice. Yeah. They all are super friendly. Uh, you don't meet a stranger. They're just nice people. I, the weather's kind of shit, but that's okay. It's worth it. Uh, and the Guinness takes, tastes completely different <laughs> over there than it does here. It's so much better over there than it is here. Um, but yeah, that's probably why. I think the people are just so much friendlier over there. Well, uh, what would be, so what's the most memorable, memorable place you think you've been, um, where you spent some time there? Not, not just saying that maybe, you know, like you said, Ireland was cool because people were nice, but I would say like, where you may have been in a position where you did something you probably would have never done anywhere else. Had you not been in the air force and went there. Ooh, I feel like in my experience, everywhere I go, something like that happens. Really? Like, Everywhere I've touched down, there's always something where I'm like, holy crap, like, I don't think I would have ever done this if I hadn't joined the Air Force. Shoot, traveling to all these places, I would have never done if I joined, hadn't joined the Air Force. Um, but I think, I think most that sticks out in my brain is the people. Like, I always say it's not about where you go, it's who you go with. Because yeah. the people make or break whatever it is. And I've never had an experience where I traveled somewhere with people that I'm just like, God, these people suck. Um, I've always gone places where I come out with more friendships than when I went in and more people that I trust and more people that I could count on or call on or whatever the case may be. So I don't necessarily have one place that I could like pinpoint other than like goofy stuff. Like there's goldfish racing in uh, St. John's, Missouri. If everyone wants to go check out some goldfish racing, that's a good time. <laughs> but now, how do they how do they do that? <laughs> so you have a PVC pipe that they okay. cut in half. Okay. And then you have tanks of goldfish, and you pick out your fish, and then you have to get it from this end to this end using a straw and blowing it down the PVC pipe. Yep. Interesting. And if you win, you get to keep your fish. If you don't, he goes back in the tank. <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, you, that's, yeah, that's different for sure. Never heard of that. <laughs> but otherwise, no, I really, honestly, I could probably pick out a memory from every place that I've been that yeah. is all based on just the people. My last deployment was awful. 
really? when it came to like the heat and uh, the hours we worked and the lack of food. And I mean, you that was guitar, right? Yeah. Yeah. You that's heard all this crap when I was bitching yeah. you about how I'm getting fat and I can't handle this yeah. shit. <laughs> um, but honestly, like some the people that I went with, the people that were on my shift, we um, had the best time when the worst situations. Mm-hmm. So the military has just gotten to like, it's just one of those things that you could pick up the phone and travel any state. And I could find somebody in that state that I could crash on a couch or I could meet up for a beer or whatever the case may be. It's just, there's so much awesomeness that comes with being in the military. Like so, so much how many times have you been deployed? Twice. Twice. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Um, I went to Guam with the B-52s and then I went to Qatar with the C-130s. Um, and then, I mean, mini deployments, I went to Germany for like a mini deployment that was, a um, right after I came back from Qatar. Um, and then really long TDYs, but other, other than that, just two deployments, just Guam and, um, Qatar. Gotcha. And so, so so you haven't had to luckily been in any battle situations where we're, you know, Not really, no. I mean, we brought people back from um, when we were in Qatar. Of course, we had um, Syria that we were on the border of. So we brought people back from combat situations into Qatar so that they could be transported to Germany if they had like major injuries or anything like that. Uh, We were kind of like a transport type place in Qatar. So um, that is probably the closest I've been to it. Um, When I forwarded deployed to Turkey when I was in Germany, I mean, that was kind of crazy and creepy just because they just don't like us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, no, I'm not, I I'm fortunate in saying that I haven't had the opportunity. I know many before me and many that served next to me have yeah. had to experience a lot of that. And, um, working at the VA as an occupational therapist assistant, you see a lot of the PTSD side of things. And, um, one of the service dog organizations is PTSD related is, um, I, I guess I consider myself fortunate. I haven't had to see any of that Yeah. because I mean, a lot of people do, a lot of people see it multiple times. They go over and back and over and back. And so, yeah. But well, talking about that, let's talk about the, um, the, the service dog stuff. So I have no idea. All I know is what I've seen on social over the past few years of, you know, how active you are with these dogs. So tell me how you got into that and what you're doing with them. Um, so I got into that when I first moved to Florida, I um, ran across this um, organization in Shreveport, Louisiana. I used to work volunteer for an organization called Pet Savers. Um, And then when I moved to Florida, I wanted to continue that just animal shelter type stuff. But I ran into Canine Companions randomly through my sister who used to live there. And um, basically what happens is you get a puppy at eight weeks old and you keep it for 18 months. You train it 25 plus commands plus public socialization um, different behavioral stuff in your house and whatnot. Then you get it back to the organization and they train it for another six months for its specialty, its trade basically. And then it, after six months, it'll graduate with its person and it is now officially considered an assistance dog. Um, well, explain to me what that entails assistance dog. So it depends on what they're doing. So we have facility dogs, which are going to be the dogs that you see in like um, child protective services, um, court systems, hospitals, um, therapy clinics, different stuff like that. Those dogs have a facilitator 
and that person is in charge of that dog and making sure it uses its services for multiple people. They don't necessarily have public access except for um, on the platform of the, whatever their job duty is, whether it's at the hospital or whatever the case may be. Um, and then we have hearing dogs. Those are for the deaf. So those dogs are taught and trained how to alert someone based off of sign or smells and sounds. So they help with fire alarms and tornado alarms and all that kind of stuff. And then we have uh, companion, skilled companion dogs. Those are dogs that are for children and people under the age of 18. So like cerebral palsy, Down gotcha. syndrome, gotcha. autism, that type of thing. And then their parents are the ones that facilitate those dogs. And then we have PTSD, which everybody knows what PTSD is. And that can be, it's more focused towards the military, but it can also be for sexual and physical abuse, trauma, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then you have um, your full service dog, which is someone that's either spinal cord injury, quad paraplegic type person, um, someone that had a TBI, any type of diagnosis ms is one um, rheumatoid arthritis is another and they just help them with picking things up off the floor opening and closing doors helping them with their laundry helping them basically do all the things in life that they need an extra set of hands for really so you're taking them at a base level as mm -hmm. a puppy and yep. then training them up to where they're going to be able to be then converted into any of these things yes how do you get qualified for that? How does that work? Like, how are you? Like, <laughs> you I mean, know, not, actually, like, as a serious, you know, so people, you know, who may be interested in this, because I feel like if an organization is trusting you to give you a dog and say, get this dog ready for us, like, how does that process work? So, um, you have to go once a month to puppy classes at like a, uh, approved puppy class place that they approve, such as like a pet smart, um, here in Birmingham, we have a guy that we actually use that he teaches, um, all the group here in Birmingham. Um, but other than that, I learned by going to the campus every Saturday, um, they send you a DVD, they send you a manual, they have their own like podcast stuff they post, they have their own blog they post. And a lot of it is trial by error. Everybody's first puppy is just an experiment for the most part. Um, yeah. but there is no, like, I'm not certified dog trainer. I, I don't have a certification in anything. I've been doing it for 10 years. So I just kind of basically do what I've always done. Yeah. Um, but it's all volunteer stuff. So you're educating yourself. You're educating uh, the public. You're doing all those things voluntarily. Um, so the cost of the puppies, food, vet bills, all that stuff is on you. And then you give that back as a service to somebody else. So I'm not certified. The only ones that are certified dog trainers are the ones at the advanced training center, which there's regions all over the United States for that. The rest of us just learn it by each other, trial and error, the books, the DVDs they give us, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, we're not really qualified in anything at all other than volunteerism. <laughs> I mean, but you are because I mean, a, a certification only means so much if you don't have the your hands on skills. I mean, oh, right. Yeah. So I guess if sure. you wanted to get that, you know, certification, you could. But Probably. It, yeah. If I actually wanted to, I don't even know what the steps are to be a certified dog trainer, to be quite honest. So with you. How many, you said you've been doing it 10 years. So how many dogs have you prepped for people now and, and what they're, and, and also do you get to know where these dogs go later on and have contact with them later? How does that work? 
Yeah. So when they graduate, they actually give us, um, before COVID, we actually used to go to what's called a leash passing ceremony where you interact with the person and you pass the leash on a stage. And that is the transition process. Um, I have placed eight out of my 10, basically. Um, My last one, Rudy, just placed two weeks ago. He is a service dog working with PTSD and psychiatric patients in Florida. Okay. So he is a facility dog, basically, with a girl. And um, it's up to the recipient if they want to stay in contact with you. So once you place that puppy, it's up to them if they want to stay in touch or if they don't. Um, Out of all of the ones that I've placed, they all stay in touch about the first six months. And then after that, you just don't even hear from them. Thankfully for social media, you'll see them pop up every once in a while. But otherwise, no. Once I turn them in and they get placed with somebody, that's pretty much it. I don't see or hear from them ever again. Um, well, what type of dogs are these? Are these Canadian? are Labs and Goldens. And I've seen, we, I feel like I've seen you had a lot of Labs and Goldens. Yeah. So, yeah. We do Labs, Goldens, and Lab Golden Crosses, and we have our own breeding program in Santa Rosa, California. So okay. they're not like shelter pets or anything like that. They're um, actually from a, a breeder. Um, there's a bunch of breeder caretakers, which are also volunteers, that breed the dogs for our program. So what are those breeds specifically? What are enable them to do better in this versus another breed of dog? Like, um, well, I think a lot of it, honestly, is just the amount of years that we have consistently bred over and over to get like the temperament you want, the health gotcha. that you want. The because I don't think I, I'm a dog person, so I don't think that there's any dog out there that couldn't do it. Right. Um, kind of like police dogs, we've always seen either Belgian Malinois or German Shepherds yeah. because of whatever their ability to their agility, their um, tactical type side of them. Um, but I guess a lot of it is temperament, um, ability to train that labs and goldens are super easy to train um, health issues, which we always breed that stuff um, out of them or whatever. But um I guess it's just that really, because I have another program that I kind of volunteer for with the prison and that's uh canines for warriors. That's a PTSD program and they okay. use shelter dogs. And a lot of times you have no idea what you're getting. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, and it could be any age too, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, our dogs all start at puppies, the PTSD dogs, they might get them at like four months old and they've been sitting in the shelter for four months. And now they're like, let's right. try this dog. So okay. they don't know what they're getting when they do that. Um, they're a very successful program though. They do place a lot of dogs and they do very well in their placements. It's just, um, kind of a crapshoot on what you're getting out of the shelter and they do donated dogs too. So they have all sorts of different breeds. What are these? Um, so these two organizations, the first one is what, and can you give me the link like the dot com for yeah. that or the, um, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be. So um, the first one is Canine Companions for Independence. um, And that's CCI.org. And then on uh, Instagram, I believe it's CCI Canine is what you can look up. Um, It's a yellow background, uh, half moon background with a blue handicapped person in a wheelchair and a dog sitting in front of them. And then CaninesForWarriors.org is a red background with a soldier holding an American flag. If I remember correctly, is their icon and their canines for warriors across the board, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Both organizations provide the, the dogs to the recipient free of charge and okay. provide all the training and provide all the housing and all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, if you're someone that, especially military, if you're someone that um, is interested in either organization, they both do PTSD. It's a organization that provides you the dog free of charge. So it's what pretty are, awesome. Um, so, and you keep mentioning PTSD, and I feel like a lot of us know that, that, you know, service dogs are really good for that. What are some of the, the situations you've seen dogs be placed in where they can help that you wouldn't, most people may not realize that that's something that's used daily? Um, I think a lot of it, like hearing dogs, for instance, I had a little girl, um, well, she's not a little girl anymore. She's in her like junior year of college at Auburn. Um, but she wanted it. She needed a hearing dog. And I was like, yeah, sure. But there was so much about her life that I had no idea that like she didn't hear. Um, so when I asked her, I was like, so what what are you going to use Hanalei for? And she was like, oh, you know, like when you're driving in a car and there's a fire truck coming up behind you. She's like, I don't hear the fire truck. And I was like, I never even thought of that. Or um, she was going to stay in the dorms in college. And she's like, if there's a fire alarm in the college dorm, she's like, I can't hear that. And I was like, yeah. oh, right. Um, even little things like her cell phone. She couldn't hear her cell phone ring. So the dog tells her, hey, your cell phone's ringing. Um, there's just so many things that you don't think about um, with like PTSD dogs. They do. They use the, a lot of the same words that we use in the military, like cover and such like that. Um, but for someone with PTSD, going up to an ATM machine and not being able to see behind you is a big trigger right. where the dogs have learned to stand behind you and be that cover for you so that nothing can come at you without a warning. Um, so that is really interesting. And then it's really cool to see the interaction between a child and a dog. Like um, we've had a lot of kids that are nonverbal that when they get their dog, they'll say a word and we're like, whoa, it's crazy. Like who knew that a dog was going to bring out this whole like thing for this child. Um, and then in the facilities, uh, the shepherd center, which is really huge in Atlanta. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a huge hospital rehabilitation hospital in Atlanta. They have like three or four different dogs that they have out there that do therapy with the people, which is awesome. Um, and then my co-raiser for Rudy, she actually uses them and she's a, um, works for child protective services. Mm -hmm. Um, and they actually use them in the courtroom and during forensic interviews to help with emotional support and help with the, um, little kids and different people coming in to do the interviews for like, kind of like input of just, Oh, I can talk to the dog, but I'm not, don't want to talk to you as a person. So it's just Every time they place a dog, whether it be the PTSD side or whether it be the canine companion side, it's just like, it's an incredible thing to watch how much an animal, and it doesn't even have to be a dog for, I mean, how many people have emotional support cats or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just amazing how much the power of an animal can help with somebody in like any kind of situation. Um, but it is, Every time I see something, I always think, oh, I would have never pictured you using a dog for that. Like anytime someone says something, you're like, oh, your dog helps you take your socks off? Oh, you know, it, things that we take advantage of as able-bodied human beings. Right. We're like, oh, I could do that. And then you're like, wait, how do you do that? And like, oh, my dog does it. Oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> so it's just neat to watch. Um, and if you oh, ever sure. get bored, YouTube, Canine Companions for Independence or Canines for Warriors and just see what they do. It's pretty cool. We've seen a lot, and you know, there's been a lot of attention on the PTSD side, and that, and I think they're great for that. But I've seen a lot of things where you've had disabled individuals that these these dogs are helping them do things that they couldn't do otherwise. You know, people who may be in a wheelchair or whatever it may be. 
um, like you said, putting like people who may not have their limbs, you know, being able to put those, you know, pieces on and all that. Like, so it's, it's crazy what we've, you know, been able to enable these dogs to do and help with, you know, I feel like they say it's man's best friend, but we're actually putting them to, to use to help give them some purpose and help us too. So that's cool. Yeah, it is. It's actually really neat to see because um, a lot of people are like, oh, do these dogs ever have any fun or are they always just service dogs? Yeah. And it's actually really fun to watch. Like any dog that gets placed normally, I would say 99.9% of the time, you may have one that doesn't, but they love to work. Like they love to help. They love to like go get your prosthetic or pull you in your wheelchair or help you get the laundry out of the dryer or yeah. anything like that. They love to help. So it's like kind of like a game for them. Like you would play and fetch with your own dog. It's the same kind of concept. They get really excited about it. So um, it is very empowering to watch someone gain like a whole new perspective of independence and life just because they received this one little piece of equipment, quote unquote, um, to help them with all their things that they never could do before. So it's, 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 it's crazy how much people are like, how do you have a dog for 18 months and then just give it up? And I'm yeah. like, if you could see the whole picture and the, like the person you're giving it to and the, how their life changes, it is an incredible feeling, like an incredible feeling. I agree. I, I have newfound respect for it. Cause about, um, I raised wolf hybrids and bred them, um, for quite a few years. And I actually had a um, person get a dog for me that they had a 16 year old autistic boy and he had just lost his emotional support dog. Well, I wasn't very, you know, this was probably three or four years ago. I guess it's been a long now. And um, I wasn't too, you know, educated on how that works and, you know, how helpful those things are for especially people with autism or any other learning disabilities. Um, and they had a, a lab originally and, and, you know, she asked me, she said, is this dog, you know, how are your dogs, you know, because being that they're, they have the wolf in them, but they're also husky and malamute. You know how do they interact and i was like you know it's just like anything else if you train them well they're going to be great animals you know but you know i've never had one place in a home that was an actual emotional support animal and uh, it's been great because over the past two years she says me pictures all the time and oh that's her, awesome awesome it was a female she's a female hybrid but um so it's been great you know it's just been pretty cool and and i've had a newfound respect for that because i've been a little more hands-on with it involved so it's been cool yeah, it really is neat. Um, and I've actually, I can't, that would be one of those instances where I was like, it doesn't matter the dog as long as raised correctly. Like, because a wolf hybrid, most people would probably think of that and be like, oof, that yeah. seems a little intense. Yeah. Um, and I have seen your puppies before. They have like really pretty eyes that are really yeah. intense and like they're big. Yeah. Um, so I would feel like, oh gosh. But yeah, I mean, if it, you've raised in the right way and um, they have like, senses and they have different things that us human beings cannot feel or whatever um that make them so much better at a lot of that stuff yeah. <laughs> than we as humans are <laughs> so you don't do you have any dogs permanently that are yours i mean other than i used to i um i had two i had a 16 year old lab and a 17 year old miniature pincher um and i lost them in 2020 Okay. Um, so I don't have any of my own dogs personally. I just now babysit everybody's dogs. They're like, yes. take my dog for a weekend. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm a miracle worker. I'm not. Well, how, um, do you, how do you balance doing all these jobs and then helping with the dogs? And how does that all work? Like, uh, it is a madness. Um, I feel like if you're passionate about things, it doesn't always seem like it's work. 
Yeah. Um, like I love going to drill weekends. I love fixing airplanes. Um, my bachelor's degree is in aeronautics. I love airplanes. So that to me is like a little weekend getaway. Now other weekends that I'm like, Oh, I do not want to go to drill. <laughs> yes. But when you get there and you hang out with all your guys and everybody and it's just like, okay, yeah, this is what, this is good. Um, and then I love the service dog side of things. Like if I could do that for a living, I totally would. I'm just not rich enough to make that happen. Um, so if I could do that for the rest of my life, I would. Um, and then of course I just love to work out as well. It's my stress reliever, but I don't know. It's like, I guess if you enjoy what you do, all those things coming together, just kind of make it easier to juggle everything at once. Um, and I mean, I don't necessarily love my nine to five job. That's probably my least favorite. Um, but it gives me the ability to do all the fun things that I do like to do, like raise right. puppies, go to the gym, um, do all this fun stuff. So, um, but it's time management for sure. But <laughs> I don't know. It's not bad. Um, but I am really busy. Yeah. That's it's a good really thing. Busy. I mean, like anything else, if you, people are always like, I don't know how you do all these things. You never sit still. I'm like, man, I enjoy everything. I enjoy all. I'm not doing it because I feel like I have to. Yeah, no, definitely not. And there are times where you're like, you know what? I'm not going to go to the gym this week. I just don't have time. I don't feel like it. And it's whatever. Um, Just like today, I plan on cleaning my house after I get back from the gym. And I'm like, and then I'm going to sit my butt on my couch and do nothing the whole rest of the day. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, uh, being an aircraft mechanic, so how many females are, you know, doing that? I feel like that's not, uh, there, there can't be that many, right? No, there's not. Um, when I joined in 2003, um, I was on B-52s mm-hmm. and I went through tech school with, there was like two or three of us girls in the maintenance world. Um, none of them I think are in there anymore. I think all of them gotten out. Um, and then when I got to Barksdale, I was like the first girl and got like 12 years or something really? crazy like that. And I, no one spoke to me. No one, everyone was afraid there was going to be some sexual harassment charge yeah. for even saying hi. So I literally would get, they'd be all like chatty Cathy's in the mm-hmm. truck and you know, it's a bunch of dudes running their mouths and I'd get in and they'd be like crickets and you're like, Hey, this is awkward. <laughs> and I remember the first person to talk to me. I remember this day it was Adam Iberg. That was his name. And he, um, got stuck out on a job with me. They dropped us off. Like they always do. They drop you and your toolbox and stuff off. And they're like, see you later. See you in 12 hours. And so him and I are standing there, we're just staring at each other. And he was like, I'm Adam. And I was like, Hey, I'm Christine. He's like, cool. And it was like the most awkward first hour. But after that, it was like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but everywhere I go, I'm usually one of the only girl crew chiefs. Um, it's become a little bit more popular now. Um, but when I first came in in 2003, there was not a whole lot of us. And if there were crew chiefs, they weren't on the flight line. They were in some back office job doing training or something like that. Um, so that was one of, so recently I went from flight line to uh, QA, quality assurance. And one of my biggest holdups from going from flight line to quality assurance was not many women can say they have made it on the flight line 17 and a half years. Yeah. I was like, my pride is telling me I'm not going off this flight line. And then I was like, but it could be a good experience. So let's give it a try. It's not permanent. Um, But yeah, there's not that many of us. And it takes a very special person to deal with a bunch of men on all sorts of levels. And you guys 
the stuff that comes out of your mouth is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> the uh, the approach that y'all have with life is uncanny. Nobody can beat it. Um, and just like I went from being a the only female for a hot minute into healthcare where it's all women, and yeah, I was like, yeah. dear God, these people. I was like, you women are insane. Um, so if I had to choose, I would choose working with all men because. Even settling arguments, y'all are like, screw you, screw you, you're an asshole. You want to go to yeah, lunch? Yeah. yeah, sure, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a atmosphere that there is not a whole lot of us in. And um, so it's always, it's always a challenge when you go from base to base and you're a girl coming into a new base. That's always been my biggest challenge is like coming from one base to the next. And they're like, oh, we're getting a girl. Eesh. Because <laughs> you're either you're labeled as the girl that can't do her job or the yeah. girl that uses her mommy parts to basically get what she wants. Yeah. Um, or you're a walking MEO or EEO case, uh, equal opportunity case. Yeah. Um, so when you come in and you're like, no, no, this is this is not what I am. I, yeah. I work real hard. I have my degree in it. I love it. It's my favorite thing. And the greasier I am, the better I am. Um, then that's usually like, oh, OK, she's cool. We can hang out with her. But. Yeah, it's different for sure. Being the only girl is a, but I've learned a lot of cool tricks from you guys. (laughs) Well, I figured it may be, you know, but you say you're in the healthcare industry on one side and you're in the military on the other side and you're able to, I feel like you're well-rounded. Yeah, Yeah, I I have, um, uh, like I said, I wear a lot of different hats. Yeah. Um, Staffing, healthcare, military, dogs, you know, I got to try my hand in something all the time. Yeah. But it's... It's one of those things. It's life experience, and life experience can't can't trade that for nothing. No, I agree. Let's talk about <laughs> something else real quick. Okay. Uh, gym, fitness, eating healthy, all that stuff. So that's how I met you. Yes. Um, and you seem to be pretty active in um, staying that way since then. Um, <laughs> but when I met you and was introduced to you, you were in a slump. Um, Fact. Let's talk about that because I feel like you come out of it okay. And um, no credit to me at all. You, you're the one that did all the work. I just happen to be the person that showed up at the time that needs to say, get your ass up, let's do something. <laughs> I'm going to say, I've called you many a name. <laughs> yes, okay, I'm cool with that. So how did you get, um, so from when I met you, that was probably, what, 2017? Yes. So um, where were you at in life right then and then, you know, making your transition back into getting eating healthy again and working out? Um, so I was at probably the heaviest I'd ever been. Um, I was coming off like a really crappy relationship. I was coming into um, my second year in Birmingham. So I was still trying to figure out Birmingham. I was still trying to figure out where I was going to live. Every six, eight months, I was apartment hopping because I was trying to figure out where the heck I was supposed to be. And is this where I'm supposed to be? Or what am I supposed to be doing? Um, So I was at like just a really shitty low point. And I was driving home from Florida, um, which is where I was originally, uh, I moved here from. And um, my sister, my younger sister still lives down there. And she's like my rock. My younger sister's my rock. I was driving home from Florida. And the person that I met you through posted some pictures of herself on uh, Facebook. And she was doing some prep work. And I was like, girl, you look fabulous. What are you doing? Like, what kind of pill are you swallowing? That's what we all think is yeah, what goes into this. I mean, a lot of people think that. Yeah. Um, and she's like, no, she's like, I got this trainer. He does my meal plans for me. He does my workouts for me. And like, it takes a lot of dedication, but it's totally worth it. And I was like, yeah, okay. 
Um, so I was like, just give me his number. We'll talk. And I, cause I had done it before. Like I had reached out to trainers before, but never had success with it. I was just literally would like be on the wagon and fall off the wagon. Yeah. Um, so you and I had talked and the first time I talked to you, I was like, I can relate to this guy. Like you basically were like, well, basically this is how it works. You just have to shut up and put up. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like if you don't do the work and you're wasting your fucking time and all right, well, that makes sense. Yep. Um, so that's when you and I got started and over 25 weeks together, I think we spent, I lost 10 pounds. Um, I actually had six pack abs. Amazing. Yep. <laughs> um, and I gained like a whole new realm of confidence and it was like what jump started me into kind of the person I am now. Um, we, uh, it was not easy by any means. I, like I said, I called you every name in the book. I have told you how hangry I was and, um, sent you all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, I still laugh about the hamstring pictures. That was like <laughs> probably one of my funniest moments. Well, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do like, that. There's no plug to me at all because like, this is something I did over the past 10 years, just, um, as a hobby to help people when I know that. A lot of times, like when I met you, you, you said, you know, I've had, you know, X and Y amounts of conditions and health issues and stuff over the past. And a lot of times, like people get engulfed in their brain that someone tells them something's wrong and it immediately just demotivates them to try because they, they don't mean to, but they subconsciously lean on these things saying, okay, this may be an issue for me, so I'm not going to be able to get maximum results. So whenever I heard that from you, I was like, oh, hell yeah, we're doing this shit because uh, I'm not listening to this bullshit about, you know, thyroid and all that. No, we're going to kick ass and, and you're going to have a six pack. And you're going to feel confident because my thing is, is like, I don't even care to or have the time to help people now, but I can always give them advice. Um, Which I you still it. do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it. But the thing is, is like, if you're going to do it, you have to, you have to change your entire lifestyle. You know, oh, yeah. you change your entire lifestyle and you have to change up here more than you do here. You know what I mean? Because like, and when I, for people who may not be watching this, I'm saying you have to change it mentally before you do physically, because um, at the end of the day, there's going to be times you don't feel like doing it mentally, you know, and yeah. a lot of times you don't feel like doing it physically. And so you have to lean on that, you know, the emotional or that mental state to, so it's, it's a constant process of strengthening yourself mentally and physically. And I mean, I think mentally is the first, the first part of it, because once you strengthen that part, the physical comes, you know, hand in hand with that. Oh, for sure. Um, and I will say it was probably the first time in my life. Like, I, like you said, I leaned on my, like my hypothyroidism, my PCOS, right. like, that's my crutch. That's why I'm fat. That's why I'm lazy. That's why I'm right. out of shape. That's why I'm tired. Um, and then for the first time ever, when I got on the meal plans and I started doing the, the, um, you know, scheduled workouts and the programming and all that stuff, I realized I was like, okay, well, there's got to be other things I can do different to yeah. improve my health. So um, since then, I have transitioned to um, I'm pretty much gluten free, pretty much dairy free. Um, I have found a I know all those uh, gluten free waffles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have um, found a holistic person. She uh, has taken me. Um, I do a holistic approach with supplementation and using, I don't know if you ever heard of the brand Thorn. Uh, yeah. It's a supplement brand. So I haven't been on prescription meds in almost three months. Awesome. And I don't feel any different than I did when I was on them. Now I do have my low days and my high days where I'm like, you know, fuck this, I'm have out. You gained, have you gained any weight since you've been off of them? 
Um, I've gained a little bit of weight, but I've actually been um, oddly complimented by people I don't see all the time that my I look healthier. Like um, okay. someone told me, like my eyes don't look as bloodshot and yellowy as they used yeah. to be. Like I actually have clear eyes. Um, my skin has been awesome. Um, just like little stuff like that. Now, yes, I'm a little fluffier um, around like the midsection than I was when I was working out with you. But I also have had to, um, with the gluten-free and the dairy-free and coming off my medications, there's a hormonal transition period there that of course course. is going to take place and things are going to be like for a while. Um, but, um, and I'm for the first time ever counting macros, which I never really did with you. I always, you just told me what to do and I did it. Um, so that's also something that's just kind of new to me, but I do feel really good. Like I said, I am so thankful that I don't have to take all the prescription meds and stuff anymore. Um, but it all started in 2017 when you just like basically were, Hey, get your mindset different. We got to change this before we can change any of this. Um, and it was, it was a lot of work. I, I, there were days I laughed and cried and punched things all in the same hour. Yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting time, but uh, no, I mean it was good. It was a good time, and you um you you rose out of it. And you didn't have to use it. I mean, like I said, you got to where you needed. You felt confident. You felt comfortable. You saw the transition, and you said, "Okay, I'm going on by myself. I got this." And that's shit. That's awesome. That's that's yeah. what I feel like um a lot of people should do instead of focus on leaning on a trainer and then never really learning anything. From there, you learned all the workouts. You learned everything. So, what do you um what kind of exercise are you doing? A lot more. Are you still doing CrossFit? Um, I do a little bit of CrossFit, like maybe lately I haven't been doing anything. So I got hurt during CrossFit. Um, I hurt my hip. Well, so I I mean, was, every, everyone gets hurt in CrossFit at some yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I've been rehabilitating myself from yeah. a hip injury. Um, so now I'm doing powerlifting. Okay. Um, I go to a strength class at this place called Wheelhouse Academy here in Birmingham. And it is awesome. It's breaking down the movements. It's learning this, the um, technique. And it's actually been really fun because for the first time ever, I'm not doing supersets, which is yeah. weird. <laughs> um, so it's been kind of nice. And then um, like today I'll do a wad this afternoon to get my heart rate up because I've been sitting around doing nothing for Christmas. Um, and then I'll transition back to powerlifting throughout the week. But for the most part, I'm doing powerlifting. Um, and also in order to get my hormones to rebalance, I couldn't do a lot of cardio because my body was so yep. stressed. I had like no cortisol, no nothing. Yep. So I couldn't do a whole lot of cardio. It was just heavy lifting. Um, so right now I'm doing that kind of stuff, but I'm transitioning back into a little bit more of the CrossFit with the um, strength, but I'm smarter now. Um, <laughs> so a lot of the CrossFit stuff, you won't catch me doing like, right. just because I know darn well, I'm getting older. My joints are getting older. Like it's now about longevity, not about like instant gratification. Yeah. So change your eating habits, change your mindset. I want to be able to move. Like I move right now at 36 years old. I want to be able to move that same way at like 90. Of course. So now it's like not necessarily about like, Hey, how many reps can I get in 20 minutes or how fast can I run this mile? It's, Hey, can I do this when I'm 70? Yeah. I mean, I think it's good. It's a functionality. And then, you know, you're doing multiple different things. Like I don't think that anyone should do, the same workout every single week and the same type of thing. I try to mix it up. I can't hardly do any CrossFit workouts anymore, anything overhead because um, I detached my pec tendon, I believe it was in 2016 or 15, maybe earlier than that, 14, excuse me, it's been a while. 
anyways, um, I still can't do a lot of overhead stuff because I feel like it's going to snap back off. So, like, but I still enjoy some of those auxiliary workouts, you know. But yeah, I feel like in any type of lifting, any type of exercise, you can overdo it no matter what it is, you know. You have to know your limitations. You also have to know, okay, if I hurt myself, it's going to set me back six to eight weeks or six months. You know, in my case, it was almost a year. And um, it's just not worth it, you know? No, it's not. My hip was almost a year. It took me almost a year to get my hip back. I, I used and to bench, like, we, I mean, and this was when we were younger. We benched like, oh, man, you can bench as much as you can bench. You're a dude, you know? <laughs> and uh, I got up to like 420, I believe. And I was on the second rep of that when I detached that uh, pec tendon. But it's one of those things. It's like, what the hell... What do I need to lift that much weight for? I mean, yeah. and nothing against powerlifters or anything that want to do that. That's fine. But like your body has limitations. At the same time, I was fight training. I was doing cardio every day. I should not have been lifting that type of heavy weight. And I'm not, you know, I'm not pushing anything off of me that heavy in real life. Yeah. So I don't feel like I need to do that. You know what I mean? And now it's like, I'm lucky if I can put 315 on there and rep it because I just feel like I'm going to tear something. You know, it's just not worth it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Well, I'm like that with powerlifting. Like you will never see me do when they are like, uh, do 80% of your max snatch. You will yeah. never, I don't even know what my max snatch is because yeah. I don't care about my max snatch. Like I don't care if I can do it. That's one thing. Um, deadlifts is the same way. Like you'll never see me deadlift 300 pounds. Like, yeah. no, I'm going to be the person that deadlifts maybe my body weight and I'm going to do more reps and focus on form than I am going to be doing like one big one rep yeah. max. Um, so for me, it's more about the movement. Like I'm not a heavy person. I've never been a heavy person. Um, people always think I, especially with my legs, they're like, I bet you can squat a lot. I'm like, nope, sure can't. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. They look strong, but they're not. <laughs> um, but it's just, yeah, no, I am all about longevity now. I'm over that whole, like, how many reps can you do or this wad or this AMRAP or whatever yeah. the case may be or whatever. I'm no, nope. No, I'm good. I like my joints. They look fabulous and they work great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's good to hear. So, um, man, I hate to wrap this up, but we're almost out of time. Um, that's fine. Before, I get we, it. Uh, before we go, in case people catch this halfway in or whatever, drop uh -huh. those, um, plug those two organizations again you do with the dog, um, um, the dog training. Mm -hmm. um, so I got Canine Companions for Independence, um, and that's going to be cci.org. Um, okay. and then there's canines for warriors, which is canines for warriors, uh, org as well. And you can look them all up on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think there's even Twitter accounts with both of them now. Okay. Um, and then their websites, they're free of charge to the recipient. Um, they both have PTSD, but then, uh, canine companions for independence also has facility service, hearing, um, and skilled companions. So it is definitely something that's near and dear to my heart. It's very important to me to give back. I'm a cold-hearted person, but I'm also a really giving person. Um, I love to give back to people. I love to help people. I love all things about that. Um, so I guess that's why I'm in healthcare and in the dogs and in the military. Um, so I'm a, I'm a service provider person. I guess that's one of my love languages if we're going to go yeah. off that weird crap. <laughs> Um, but yeah, those are the two cci.org and caninesforwarriors.org. Um, and you can even Google canine companions and canines for warriors and it'll pop up everything. Good. So any, um, anything else you want to plug or any final thoughts, any, any you know, positive vibes you want to leave with anybody before we close this thing out? You know, all I can say is, um, one, I appreciate you really much, yeah, sure. um, more than you know, when it comes to a lot of my past and everything else. Um, but I also just like, 
if you're, and if anyone is like doubting where they are in the world or what they want to do with the world or um, especially like high school kids, I always think that like we forget about our high school kids a lot. Like we forget yeah. like where they are in the world with COVID, with, where we are in the world with like trade schools don't exist anymore, all that kind of stuff. Um, if I could encourage any of them to look into the military aspect of things, like it has probably been one of the most rewarding experiences in my life. I mean, yeah, there are some crappy times that that's with anything. Um, but there's always been something positive that has come out of the air force. It's, um, that's why I've been in for so long. And if there's ever a time in the world, 2020, um, where you can give back to people like, anything you can do, whether it's through the service dog organization or it's through your church or it's through any of the outlets that you have, even if it's just calling a friend and saying, Hey, you know, you want to have coffee one day, you want to talk, you want to hang out. Um, I just think it's super important to have supportive people like you have been for me along the way with, even if it's a text where I'm like, DJ, I feel like a fat cow, help me out. <laughs> and you're like, you're not a fat cow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you need to do. Get your life together. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> But we all got to have that positive person in our life. So I appreciate you 100% and everything you've done for me and continue to do for me. And um, this has been awesome. I, I really do appreciate you. Well, I'm glad we finally got together. Yeah. Um, good times. I hope you had a Merry Christmas and I hope you have a good New Year's. Same to you. And um, everyone, please subscribe to the podcast. All right. See you later. Thank you.